Hi guys, welcome. Are you that weirdo that has to consult your tarot cards before you can leave the house in the morning? Well, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Happy Hour Gets Weird. Okay. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hi, everyone. Hi, welcome guys. to our podcast where we drink cocktails and talk about weird shit. Weird shit. This week, we are drinking a whole entire flight of mimosas. They're very delicious, and it's a little celebratory because it's our 10th episode. Number 10. We're double digits now. Yeah, we're here, and we're 10. (laughs) And we're 10. So um, thank you for listening, and we have a good show for you today. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. We actually just kind of figured out our stats, and... We're learning how to read them from our different platforms, and we have a lot of listeners around the United States where we live, and we also have some listeners out of the country from South Africa and even the Philippines, and we just want to say thank you. We love recording, and we love talking, and we, of course, we love talking. I mean, come on. (laughs) In case you couldn't tell. But we also, more than that, we are so grateful for listeners, like it we really just can't express how much gratitude we have for people that listen. Definitely. So if you love us, let us know. Find us on Instagram. Happy hour gets weird is our handle. Um, you can email us at happy hour gets weird at Gmail. If you just want to say, Hey, we like you. We think you're funny or Hey, you can do this to be better or hey tell this story on your next episode i had this weird experience and i want to share it we would love to get weird stories from listeners that would be awesome yeah we'd love to share your stories we like sharing our stories and other people's stories and it it would just be really cool to hear from our listeners we see you on the stats but we haven't heard from you so say hi feel free to reach out yeah and thank you so much for listening so um what are we doing today Today's topic is psychics who have solved crimes. Oh, yeah, baby. I'm so excited about this one. (laughs) I've been wanting to do it for a while. Oh, yeah. She's been like, let's do this. Let's do this. Who wants wants to go first? You go first. Are you sure? Uh, Yeah, because if you let me go first, I'm going to take up the whole episode. (laughs) So you go first. Oh, so while you're getting your stuff together, do you want to all run down the... We did a pomegranate elderflower mimosa in our flight we did a strawberry mint mimosa in our flight and we did a blackberry mimosa and all that information and the recipes and how we made that and a picture of our cocktails will be on the instagram happy hour gets weird perfect yes look us up let's get started when andre daigle went missing help came from a stranger two thousand miles away my sources are i found an online PDF called ESPD Blue. Oh, yes. By Stephen A. Schwartz, a South China Morning Post article by Winnie Jung, an LA Times article called Cypress Psychic Tells Court of Helping to Solve Murder, and a legacy.com. Those are all my sources. All right, let's get into it. June 1987, Louisiana, surrounding New Orleans area. Did you hear I tried to say it, like, the right way? Norlands. 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 Andre Daigle was at a bar with his best friend. They were drinking beers and playing pool. As the night began to wind down, a woman that had been hanging out with the pair asked for a ride home. 
That, unfortunately, was the last time anyone saw Andre Daigle alive. Four days later, his sister, Elise McGinley, living in Southern California, was becoming increasingly worried. She couldn't get a hold of her brother, and he had missed work. This compounded with the fact Andre was supposed to be house-sitting for another brother and hadn't been at the residence, and the guy had a cat, which was never fed. So everyone was kind of like, this is not normal for Andre. He was a very reliable person. Police weren't really overly concerned because he was an adult and there was no signs of foul play. Andre was just gone. The family remaining in Louisiana, led by Elise from Southern California, attempted searches that led nowhere. Elise's distress was palpable when a friend from work made an unusual recommendation. Call Rosemary Care. Rosemary Care lived in Cypress, California. As a child, Rosemary would hear things, know things. As an adult, she had guides that would visit her at 3 a.m. when her mind was relaxed and open, bringing her information. The only explanation of these guides is that there were two of them. Oh, I thought you said guys. Just some dudes. And I was like, okay, Rosemary, do your thing. Okay, is this Rosemary or Rosemary? Look, it's Rosemary, right? Rosemary. Okay. Yeah. I keep saying Rosemary because we've talked about a Rosemary every, every episode. episode. Yeah, guides. So there was guides that came to her okay. when well, she would be like sleeping so her mind would be kind of open and relaxed. Okay. okay. One would come with a warm feeling Ooh. and the other would come with a tickling feeling. Oh, okay. Yes, please. <laughs> Rosemary will put a question out there and be answered by knowledge. Okay. Rosemary Care was a psychic. Oh. Dun, dun. Now these two women, Rosemary and Elise, brought together by misfortune, sat in Rosemary's kitchen. Rosemary said a short prayer to ease Elise's agitation. Between the two lay a picture of Andre and a map. Rosemary touched Andre's photo and began her work. She saw water, a low bridge, and railroad tracks. The number seven had significance. There was a man's face with long, dirty blonde hair and a dark vehicle. A woman had exerted a hold over Andre. Finally, Rosemary felt a sharp pain in her head, indicating something that Andre had felt. Are you scared? Yes. It's a little, I know. Oh my gosh. Okay. I can picture it. I'm freaked out. Keeping her eyes closed, Rosemary slid her hand across the map. <laughs> You're freaking me out. <laughs> when her fingers stopped, it was on the town of Slidell, Louisiana, along the highway. That would be where they'd find Andre, but they had to do it. Now, Elise hurriedly called her family in Louisiana and told them they had to get to Slidell, a 30-minute drive from them. The family followed the order and rushed to the location, arriving at midnight. Once in Slidell, Andre's older brother almost immediately saw Andre's truck, driven by two strange men, one of them with long blonde hair. Oh my goodness. A chase ensued. They passed a highway patrol and another family member stopped and asked him for help. The officer followed the cars. The truck made a wrong turn onto a dead end. The suspects surrendered. Charlie Gervais and Michael Phillips exited the vehicle. The only thing more horrifying than the crime itself, the murder of Andre, was the motive. These two shitbags killed Andre, a total stranger, to form a bond of blackmail. They had thought that if they murdered someone together, it would prove their manhood and make them unable to snitch on one another after later crimes they planned on committing. What? So their whole plan was, was that they sent in Philip's girlfriend, who was 17 at the time, into the bar. That was the girl that was with them playing pool. Right. At the end of the night, she asked Andre for a ride home, realizing that he was a nice guy who would help her out. 
So he, she, she lured him away from anybody else. The two men met up with them and killed Andre. What the fuck, man? It was They're completely like, so we have random. To kill somebody together. Yes. So when we go, for example, rob a bank, nobody will snitch. You can't snitch on me. I can't snitch at you yes. because then I'll say like, oh yeah, well he did this. Yes. They planned to go and have like a crime spree in New Orleans after this happened. What the? So fuck, it was just man? totally random. Andre did nothing wrong. He was just literally at the wrong place. He at was the wrong just time. a nice guy. He was just a nice guy who was going to give this girl a ride home. <sighs> so awful. These criminals killed Andre, dumped his body, and then pawned the few items that were in his truck. So the question is, is just how accurate was Rosemary's knowledge, right? Right. Rosemary said the body would be found near water, a bridge, and a railroad. Andre was found near an elevated bridge-like intersection, interstate, Mm -hmm. with railroad tracks to the east and water along both sides. She also said the number seven would be significant. Police exited Interstate Exit 7 to get to the body's location. The head pain that Rosemary felt was linked to the cause of death. Andre's cause of death was head trauma. He was beat with a claw hammer. Oh my God. It's really, really awful. Furthermore, she sent the family to the right town and highway at the right time. If she hadn't have told them, like, you have to go now. They wouldn't have seen those they two wouldn't men have seen, driving his truck. Yeah, because they pretty much got there and the guys drove by. It's really incredible. I have so many verbs trying to come out of my mouth right now. (laughs) D.A. LeBlanc said that Gervais is probably the most evil individual that I've ever come across as a prosecutor. He was, in my opinion, a cold-blooded killer, the leader of three, and probably would not hesitate to kill again. All three, first Gervais and Phillips and later the 17-year-old girlfriend, were sentenced to life in prison. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. The D.A. LeBlanc found Rosemary's contribution so valuable to the case, he put her on the stand. She actually testified in the trial. No way. Yeah, and there are several, a couple of the articles, they they were about her testifying in the trial. So amazing. Um, He was really impressed. He basically said, it's like, thanks to her that we caught these guys because, you know. Oh my gosh, what an opposite. My story could not be more opposite. (laughs) It's easy not to believe stories about psychics because so many of them are liars, scammers, or just attention seekers. It's true. It's really true. It's, It's hard. LeBlanc, the DA, like so many of us, had been skeptical of psychics. However, when asked about Rosemary's abilities, he said there was absolutely no way that it could have been by chance. This woman is a genuine psychic. She's the real thing. (gasps) That warms my heart. I know. This wasn't the last time Rosemary Care helped solve a case or give a family closure. Over the years, she helped the local police. Like they would call her. She would take calls from families. She tried to help people throughout her whole life. What a wonderful woman. She also married and had five children. So she was pretty busy. Yeah. In 2005, um, she used her gift on a show called Psychic Witness, which I was not aware of when I started researching this because all the articles were really old. Yeah. But then I found a newer article and she was on a TV show, which I have never watched. 2005 was... Gonna have to YouTube it. Yeah. Rosemary died March 16th, 2015. She was 80 years old. Oh my goodness. She lived a full life helping so many people. (gasps) What an amazing woman. I know. Isn't that crazy? That I was... Okay, so I'm... Full disclosure, I had I already drank two of my three mimosas out of my flight. And I was had a good like my face is numb buzzed. Straight up sober after that story. It, it gave me chills even reading it again. Straight, dead sober. God, could you imagine having that ability where you could just 
see all of that from touching a photo of a stranger? Would I want the ability for guides to come to me at 3am or guys? I don't know. <laughs> I think guys. I want guys. Just, just knocking on your <laughs> Hey, we're here. What are you doing? An old fashioned you up text. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So you're ready, ready for mine and mine. It's like the total opposite. Oh my gosh. I'm excited. Okay. So I am, I got this from fandom.com and also it was an unsolved mysteries episode. <gasps> the old one? Uh-huh. Oh my God. February 3rd, 1995 is when it aired. So good. Okay. I'm going to watch it. All right. So December 15th. 1980, Melanie Uribe, a 31-year-old nurse, failed to show up to her shift at work. She was considered reliable and punctual, so her shift manager was concerned, called her house uh, to no answer. So after there was no answer and she didn't show up to her work, they called the police. Good job. Yeah, right? To be so prompt. Yeah. Exactly. So the police started to look. She was missing. They couldn't find her. Um, the next morning, her truck was found burned along with her new nursing uniform in the truck. Um, 32-year-old Etta Louise Smith never considered herself a psychic. She did, when she was young, she did have visions like movies of events in the future, but she never considered herself a psychic. But when she went to her packing job at an aerospace engineer company, Mm -hmm. um, the radio was playing. And when she heard on December 17th, the disappearance of Melanie Uribe on the radio, they were saying they were doing house to house searches and that they couldn't find her and they were looking in her neighborhood and she was hearing that on the radio and she immediately got the feeling that she's not in a house. She got a feeling she's not in a house. And it was a strong feeling that she they're not going to find her in a house. She's not in a house. She had no prior knowledge to the case. It was that morning at work where she heard it on the radio where she first heard the case. She had such a strong feeling. She left work early and she went to the police. So she had a vision that morning before she left work and she, she had a vision and she said it played like a very, very clear movie in her mind. It was a canyon with brush and bushes and a curving road and hills in the background and a dirt path leading to something white. She felt like it might be Melanie's body and the location of where it was. She didn't know the name of the location, but she felt like it was familiar and she could find it. So she left work and she went to go talk to police and she talked to Detective Lee Ryan, who was skeptical, but because she um, was like an upstanding citizen and she had a good job and actually at her job at the aerospace engineer company, she had a like a very high clearance. So that kind of gave her some clout. Mm-hmm. So he sat down and he listened to her and they gave her a map and she pinpointed to a remote place called Lopez Canyon in the San Fernando Valley above Lakeview Terrace. Terrace. Terrace? Terrace. Terrace or Torrance? Terrace. Okay. Lakeview Terrace. 
Etta had a really strong feel- feeling that Melanie was there. She was. She didn't know if she was dead or alive, but she knew. She felt that she was there. The police took down the info, but they dismissed her with, um, they didn't go there. They can't just go? Nope, they didn't go. What if she was the murderer? They thought that she was trying, somehow trying to get money by doing this. So she kept having like the same vision over and over and over and over. Like it would not stop if she kept having the same vision. Um, and she had the urge to go there. Like she had the urge that she this needed so to go. Frustrating. So she was like, screw it. I'm going. Oh my gosh. I'm freaking going. So she drove there. She took two of her kids and her niece and she drove to Lopez Canyon. So that night or that day, later that day. So she went to work, heard the radio, left work, went to the police station. They were like, okay, lady, thanks. Bye. And then she left the police station, went home, and she kept having, like, this feeling to go. She this needed to go. so random. So she took two of her older kids and her niece. I was going to say, I hope it wasn't, no, like, a baby were, and a one-year-old because no, that's older. not going to help. They were older. Okay. So she went, she drove to the canyon, and she went down to the top of the canyon. And um, she, as she started to go down in the canyon, she felt a trauma. <gasps> uh, that's why when you said in your story yeah. that she felt like a sharp pain, yeah. she felt a trauma. So she was driving around the top and couldn't see her, but she still felt like this amazing trauma um, that she could only describe as Melanie's presence. So instead of being discouraged, she she decided to drive deeper into the canyon because they looked around the top for a little bit and didn't see anything. So she's like, let's go deeper into the canyon. So she noticed once she got deeper into the canyon, she noticed fresh tire tracks and instantly she felt somehow they were involved in the case. This is really brave of her to do this. Her daughter got out and followed the tracks, which led to something strange in the bush. Etta started moving towards it and saw that it was a body, a naked body wearing nursing shoes. She called the, she looked around and realized that the landscape was exactly what she had been seeing in her visions. Like, a very specific bush and a hills in the background and a curvy road. Oh my gosh. She called the police and the police went out there and they processed the scene and an autopsy revealed that the body, in fact, the one found in the canyon by Etta Smith was Melanie Uribe. Etta immediately became under suspicion. The police were... <laughs> <laughs> they they just assumed that she did it because she knew exactly where the, where body, the body was. Went. They took her into custody. They questioned her for hours. Oh my god! They gave her a polygraph test, which she passed, but they lied to her and told her that she failed. They figured maybe she didn't actually do the murder, but maybe she knew someone who did, or she heard gossip in the neighborhood, and she was too afraid to tell them who she heard it from. She was actually arrested and charged with the murder oh my God. of Melanie Uribe. And she was held oh, for awful. four days. Oh, that's awful. <clears throat> I mean, I can almost see where they're coming from. Not that she did it, but maybe she heard who did it. And I mean, if you heard who murdered somebody, you'd obviously be afraid of the person who was a murderer. Right. So I guess this would be one kind of roundabout way of making sure that the person was found, but... 
this is awful. How right. horrible. It was, um, she was trying to help and then this is what happened. Yeah. Yeah. That fucking sucks. <clears throat> yeah. It did, it did suck. So she was held for four days and until the police heard from an informant that a man in his neighborhood was bragging about the murder. Piece of shit. Yeah. So the man, so the police arrested the man and he confessed and he also incriminated two other men. Ugh. Uh, they were eventually arrested and charged with Melanie Uribe's murder. So what happened was she was sitting at a stoplight on her way to work and they carjacked her and they kidnapped her and they took her to the canyon. They robbed her, raped her, and beat her to death with a rock. Oh my God. Yeah. And it was a 21 year old, a 20 year old, and a 17 year old. Oh God. Yeah. And I'm not even going to say their names. They're not. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Sam. Fuck those guys. Yeah. And exactly. that's crazy when people are that young and have that much hate in their heart. Yeah. Um, so Melanie Urbe was 31. Melanie. And she was divorced and she had an eight year old son. Yeah, really, truly. That's so sad. Disgusting. Yeah. Um, And she was just on her way to work. Keep your doors locked. Seriously, keep your doors locked. If someone sketchy walks across a crosswalk, I am not embarrassed to lock my doors, like visibly lock my doors. Not that we're saying that it's ever the person's fault. We're just saying be extra careful because there's so many shitbags in this world. Exactly. No, it wasn't her fault at all. No, I know. I'm just saying that for clarification for strangers. Yeah. Remember to lock your doors. I mean, her doors could have been locked. They could have, I don't know if they hit out a window or pointed a gun at her. And she was a nurse. She was a mom. Like she was obviously a a really great person. person. This is awful. What a loss. Yeah. So Etta was released, but. Good idea. Get this. (laughs) She eventually sued the Burbank police department. Boom. And she won. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she won. Um, She won a settlement for being mischarged and held um, without any evidence whatsoever. She said, actually, finding a body is not a crime. Uh, That's true. And that is a story of Melanie Uribe and how Etta Louise Smith helped solve her murder. I don't know if you'll know this. Did they ever... Did she ever have any other psychic experiences after? She, um, I don't know if she's still alive uh, or not. I didn't research her. I just researched this case. Yeah. Um, But she did go on to continue and help in other cases. Okay. So she kept having visions. I wonder why this one kind of sparked her psychic ability pretty much. That's crazy. Always had visions. It said like just a brief Mm -hmm. backstory that she had always had visions as a child, but she never considered herself a psychic and she never really used them. And they were probably, I mean, obviously they were probably just about insignificant things. Mm -hmm. That's why she probably was like, oh, whatever. Yeah. So she just knew the end to like every episode of Friends and it just pissed her (laughs) off. (laughs) Yeah. I actually, I'll put a picture of her on Instagram. She's a very interesting looking woman. Oh, I'm excited. She has the most thin of all the pencil thin eyebrows. Oh. Oh, yeah. Very exciting. She's very, very interesting. Oh, man. I'm still recovering from the overplucking of my eyebrows in high school when I had three, I think I had three eyebrow hairs per (laughs) per brow. Yeah. Well, that was a really good story. Yeah, it was a great story. I'm so, I, I really liked the psychic 
You know, I didn't know what to expect this episode and I was pleasantly surprised. But I had to weed through a lot of like fake bullshit. Yeah, I agree. There, There's obviously a lot of psychics out there that aren't really psychics they and they're trying to scam people, people and taking advantage of people when they're grieving or looking for somebody or yes. mourning the death of a loved one is truly fucked. Yeah. But these women actually help people. Yeah, they're amazing women. I know. I kind of wish I had that gift, but then at the same time, I'm kind of like... Uh, I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm strong enough to bear that burden. Maybe that's why there are so few psychics because most people couldn't handle it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would be like a, I don't know. I don't think I'd be strong enough to handle that. I'd just drink more. I, yeah, I would definitely drink more. And then I'd just be like the lady on the corner with a cardboard sign saying like, band is coming. <laughs> And no one would take me seriously. So, so this week, instead of doing a raise the bar, we're going to stick with our theme. And Cassie's going to read my tarot. I dabble. I'm not a professional, um, but I dabble. Well, then I want my money back. <laughs> and I have this beautiful tarot deck that is from the Wild Unknown. You can actually find them on Instagram. And we'll post a picture um, on our Instagram too. Is, on tag. Oh my God. They're just. I like it. My boobs are out of control. I this like it when your boobs are like, hi. Um, they want their cards read. They do. Um, they're like, tell us our future. So it's The Wild Unknown by Kim Kranz. And she has an Instagram and I will include it in our post. Yay. Okay. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful deck. Okay, so I had to think of a question and hold it in my mind. And you need to hold it in your mind. You can ask it out loud over and over if you feel comfortable Okay. while I shuffle this deck. Okay. So but you need to clear your mind and focus on your question is what you need to do. Okay. And I'm going to do a three-card pull. Okay, three-card pull. Which is um, usually past, present, future. Okay. Okay, so this is my question. I have been working on a writing project. Tiffany's a great writer. Oh, Don't cut God. this far out. Okay, stop saying that. Okay, okay. Okay. It's so hard to cut out your compliments to me. <laughs> it takes me like a full hour. Um, so I've been working on a writing project and I guess my question is because it can't be yes or no is where is this writing project going to lead me? Is that good? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to do a past, present, future so it'll kind of like where it is in the past, where it is right now, and where it's going to go in the future. Okay. Well, I haven't worked on it in a while. Is that going to affect anything? No. Okay. I've been no. thinking about it. So think about it. Hold okay. the question in your mind. Repeat okay. it in your mind or repeat it out loud. This, I am seriously scared right now. This is I'm so scary. shuffling the cards. And then I'm going to have you break the deck into three. Like, I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack for some reason. Okay. Break the deck into like three. Like, it's just going to be like skull and crossbones, skull and crossbones. No, it's not. Three? Break it into three, yes. And then put it back into one. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Ready. So past, present. What is that? Future. What is the middle card? Oh, God. What is the middle card? Okay. Don't freak out. It's it's eyeballs and worms. Okay. So Oh shit. The okay. Empress is the past. The Eight of Swords is the present and the Son of Cups is the future. Okay. Okay? If you saw we're going to post a picture of these cards. 
Well, do you want to take a picture? Yeah, I'll take a picture when we're done. Okay. So we have the Empress, which is, let me, the only thing is, this is a new deck, so I have to refer to the book. Refer to the book. So that is what I am doing. Okay. So the past is the Empress, and that refers to creation, nature, and the mother. That's so weird. It makes sense. Do you want me to read it? Sure. The Empress is the mother or the goddess of the tarot. Her energy encompasses all that is warm, fertile, creative, and sensual in the world. Ooh. Her strength comes from being gentle and compassionate and loving without binding. When this card appears, it is pointing to either a maternal relationship in your life or the side of yourself that wants to love more. The Empress also suggests it's time for you to reconnect with nature. Go outside tonight and find the moon. Ooh, naked. Okay. Okay, so you can just basically apply that to your past. So maybe you need to give yourself a little bit more love on okay. working or give yourself a little bit more grace when you've been working on this in the past. Okay. Or maybe love the idea you started or give, you know, you can, it's open to interpretation. Okay. Yeah, what's the middle scary card? This is the <laughs> this present. This one is the swords. Oh my god. Um, and this one, I think it's eight of swords if I counted correctly. No, I think it's nine. Nine of swords. It is. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh god. <laughs> dark visions, anguish, an extremely dark card. The nine of swords reveals the deepest shadows of the self. It indicates insomnia, nightmares, and worries in the midnight hour. Often these states are accompanied by guilt, despair, or even depression. You'll be battling with yourself, so turn to others for help. Find joy and reach out. Okay, so maybe, that, okay I'm just going to say this, that that's actually very applicable uh -huh. to... Uh, what I've been working on because it's about like personal things mm -hmm. that could hurt other people's feelings. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Okay. So the anguish thing, I kind of, I mean, it makes sense. This is freaky. So maybe, <gasps> maybe just apply that to what you're working through right now. Maybe is that kind of why you Put a pin in it. Yes. Literally put a sword in it. A pin yes, in it. because it's like private. It's you know personal situations, and I don't know how people would react if that was just out there. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god, this is so freaky. Don't you love it? Okay, so, so this scary. is the future, which okay. is the son of. Thank cups. God it's not that one for the future. The son of cups. I think okay. this is what you've been wrestling with. Yeah. Because you said you stopped working on it. Yes. And maybe this is exactly what you've been wrestling yes. with. So reach out, find some joy, maybe talk to someone about it and yeah. okay. see okay. if you should continue. Oh my gosh, okay. I mean, sometimes when you put yourself out there, you feel the most vulnerable, but also it's the most freeing feeling. That's true. Okay, so Son of Cups. Now, are you ready? Kind of. Son of Cups. Okay. <laughs> Artistic and introspective. Like all of the Cups family, the son truly excels within the arts. He's usually a musician or a visual artist of some kind, and he finds success within his field. 
His natural tendency to look inward adds to his charm and mystique. The others may seem secretive and even peaceful, while deep inside he carries a dark kernel of intensity. Whoa, that's a good one. Yeah. So I think that's a good sign for future, right? I think that's a great sign. <gasps> Yay! Even though one of the cards was scary, it was good. I think that's I so you're really good at doing tarot cards. I, like, should you should this be your next I dabble. You're good. I'm gonna do I was gonna do my um they say either on your birthday or on New Year's, do the year ahead. Oh so yeah. I missed my birthday. I didn't do tarot on my birthday for myself, but I am gonna do one on New Year's <gasps> Eve. Oh, record your findings. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I'm so excited. So, and I can do yours too, like the next time we get together close yeah. to the new year. Ooh. Or before the new year, I'll, I can read your year ahead. Oh my gosh. You are so good at this. This is awesome. Okay. All right. And that was it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was kind of like really exciting for us. It was really, really fun. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We cannot thank you enough. Okay. And I think we'll end that with a... Don't forget to hydrate, meditate, and masturbate. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. <laughs>